You're listening to to the Show We Go Baseball podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode 68 of To the Show We Go. Uh, we got a full house today. Uh, we got our boxes are a little smaller on if you're watching on YouTube, but uh, I got Chris Enrique, got Jamie, I got Miggy, myself, and obviously it's the David Sandlin episode. Um, so thank you all for tuning in for that. Um, and David, I feel like you were probably one of the hottest commodities on Red Sox Twitter within the past week, uh, aside from, I guess, potential free agent ads, whatever. Uh, that's just a whole other uh, crazy element. But uh, David Sandlin, uh, trade in from the Kansas City Royals. Uh, and I, I kind of just want to start us off a little bit. Um, I want to just ask, uh, obviously, with the trade in the in the rearview mirror now, you're getting settled in in Fort Myers. How has the last week and a half been treating you? Uh, it's been awesome getting down here. Uh, all the guys welcomed me really well and everything. Uh, the training staff, everybody around the Red Sox have really made me feel at home. And it's been a quick turnaround week. I mean, I planned on being out in Arizona with the Royals leaving Monday and then had to switch that to other side of the country in Fort Myers. So, uh, happened quick, but I'm excited to be out here getting back to baseball. And I do, uh, before I shoot to Jamie on some questions here, but, um, I, I just want to ask straight, like just out of the, out of the shoot here, obviously the trade goes down, uh, first time you've ever been involved in something like that. So can you just uh, kind of take us through a little bit of, I guess, you know, when, when you found out, I'm sure it was a surprise to you. I'm sure you weren't expecting that on the, the bingo card for the week. But um, can you just take us through, I guess, uh, I guess the day of the trade and I guess uh, the first couple of days with uh, being a member of the Red Sox? Uh, yeah, so I was actually down in uh, Arlington for the uh, OU baseball series, opening series down there. Um, so I went to the game that night, got to talk to some of the people in the Royals organization and everything. Um, and then the next morning, my alarm goes off in the morning. And I was like, ah, I kind of want 15 more minutes of sleep. So shut it off, set it for 15 minutes later. And then my phone started buzzing and I saw it was our, um, head of player, de uh, player develop development, uh, with the Royals. And I was like, okay, I wonder why he's calling me. Uh, started off with a normal conversation and everything, and then uh, he told me that I had been traded from Kansas City to Boston. And it kind of, like, shocked me for a second. I didn't register it and then kind of got talking, said, like, hey, the news will break soon, but uh, you should get a call from the Red Sox here soon. So, like, got off the phone, and I think my dad, who was with me at the time, and my roommate from um, junior college kind of, like, looked at me and they, they could tell something was up. And so I told them that happened and got on the phone with some of the people inside the Red Sox organization. And from there, it was just kind of a whirlwind. Uh, obviously kind of got crazy on Twitter there for a second. Um, and all my friends uh, across any team I've ever been on texting, calling me, uh, coaches texting and calling me and everything. So it was a lot of, a lot of phone calls with, people inside the Royals organization getting my farewells and everything. And then a lot of calls getting planned to get down here and get to work with the Red Sox. And uh, I do one follow up and Jamie L uh, you can, you can uh, butt in after, but 
Um, what was it like, I guess, once you once it did kind of sink in, you know, you, you were officially now a member of the Red Sox and you had I'm sure you had plenty of introductory calls from, uh, like you said, the staff and the uh, Red Sox org. But uh, I guess what were your uh, first, I guess, takeaways from getting the chat with, I'm assuming, Craig Breslow and, and company? Uh, I mean, it was awesome. Uh, obviously, it was an honor to get traded for a guy at the magnitude that John Schreiber really had for the team, for Boston and everything. Um, has had some excellent, excellent years and uh, recent memory out of the relief position in the bullpen. Um, so I thought that was obviously really cool, and I figured out that it was a one-for-one -one trade with him. Um, but then uh, getting to talk to them, uh, I think they were just excited to get me down here, get some bullpens going, see, uh, get ready to work. And I was on the same page with the injury last year. It's been a while since been in a game situation. So just getting ready for that got me really fired up and ready to go. And going back to your college days, what was it like to play in the college world series and that run um, you and the Oklahoma team went on? Uh, man, that, it was, it was surreal. Uh, playing in front of 23, 25,000 people, um, whether they're cheering your name or cursing your name, cheering against you. I mean, it was, it was an electric atmosphere. Um, it's always a goal for any guy that plays at the Division One level, and it's it's a truly special experience, um, and it's something that I know me and all the guys on that team and the guys on the other teams that were there um, will carry with us for a long time, and it really helps you kind of build that uh, confidence to play in front of that crowd to move on to the next level, and you'll play in front of similar crowds even in the minor leagues. I saw you and your teammates call yourselves a bunch of Davids. Um, going to that, what's kind of the backstory um, with that? Uh, so I think we kind of saw ourselves as uh, the biblical story, uh, David versus Goliath. Uh, we weren't the biggest team. We didn't have the most power. We didn't throw the hardest necessarily or anything like that. We were just a bunch of scrappy dudes that wanted to go out there and get the job done every day. Um, playing juggernauts that, of college baseball that, that people saw, such teams as like Tennessee and stuff like that. So we kind of carried that motto of David's because no one really expected us to win or play to that magnitude. And did you get to explore a lot of like outside the stadium um, during it? Uh, can you say that again? Did you get to explore like a lot of Omaha kind of doing stuff outside the stadium? Uh, no, they kind of kept us under wraps and I think we were really just focused on baseball. Uh, we got to go see the old grounds at Rosenblatt and um that was really it. I mean, most of the time, other than that, we were either practicing at the hotel, just hanging out, or we'd go watch other games at uh, Charles Schwab. You can't really talk about the College World Series without, you know, referencing back to your 12 strikeout game. Kind of how, how often do you go back and relive that? Um, sometimes I'll go try to watch it if I'm in a slump or something, just to uh, get back that, try to get back that confidence and that fire I had that game and everything, but I try not to hang up on it too much because a lot of people forget. I also had a not so good outing out of relief in the college world series. So I have a mixed feeling and everything about it. Like obviously loved what I did that game. I had a great uh, game plan from skip and Jimmy behind the plate called a great game. Um, but I mean, it was just another game just wanted to go out there and help my team win. I did. Um, so 
I, I think Miggy brought this up earlier, and I, I was curious about it too. What, obviously, going from a JUCO to a program like you did seemed like a pretty large step to take. So, was it kind of like when you got to OU? Was it one of those things where it was just like, holy cow, like this is like the next level to what you were used to? Uh, some aspects, yeah. I mean, I think I was truly blessed uh, to go to play at Eastern Oklahoma State the years I played there. Uh, the coaching staff there, uh, Justin Oney, Noe Rees, and Matt Parker were phenomenal. Uh, and they really tried to build us up to get us ready for that next level, Division One, Division Two, wherever we all decided to go. Um, obviously, facility-wise and stuff like that, training staff, um, those are all going to be upgrades with the bigger budget and everything and being at a bigger school. But, I mean, other than that, um, we had the technology like Rapsodo and stuff at junior college. Um, had a good weight plan, good pitching plan and everything. So other, all that kind of stuff uh, was an easy transition. The baseball side was a very easy transition to the Division One level. And so uh, – go ahead, Miggy. No, I was just going to talk about, you know, you were at the JUCO at, during the time of COVID. Obviously, you know, you had a shortened season and everything like that. What kind of kept you mentally, mentally there, trying to stay there, stay on the course to, you know, eventually reach your childhood goal, become professional, and everything? Uh, I think it was a mixture of um, the year I started off having. Uh, my first year at junior college was a little bit underwhelming um, to myself and wasn't what I wanted it to be, and I knew I could do better. And then, of course, with COVID happening and everything, I knew that kind of showed me that baseball can be taken away at any moment. And so can really anything that we do. So um, I really spent that time in that off season and everything. Um, I think I texted my pitching coach more than he wanted to deal with me uh, during that COVID time, just game planning, what I should be working on, what list styles I should be doing, what drills uh, people like, I know the big guy with velocity at that time I was in college was Luke Little. Uh, kind of the drills he was doing, drills Verlander would be doing. So I think it was a mixture of me just wanting to be better because I knew I could be better and just realizing that, like, man, who knows when this game's going to go away, when, when my last game's going to be. And I, I want to talk about you as the pitcher now. So obviously you – have gotten your feet wet in professional ball. Uh, you've made it up to high A uh, in the Royal system. I've seen this a lot too, with guys that are coming through the system, obviously like, you know, you have guys that started all throughout their college career, then they'll get drafted. And then the, their stuff is just better suited for the bullpen. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, so I guess for you, obviously you've started every game you've pitched in. I think, I think there was only like one game at Oklahoma. You didn't start in, um, but what what when did you kind of realize you're like okay like I'm gonna do this starting thing and I'm gonna just do it for the long haul uh I mean that's kind of the role I always kind of fit into even my senior year of high school I maybe came out of the pen one time and first year at junior college um just getting my feet wet I came out of the pen a little bit more um, because guys in front of me were pitching better than me, um, like Christian McGowan, Cody Frank, Brent Beck. They they were all having great years that year. Um, so just that second year at junior college is kind of when it kicked up. Like, 
hey, I can I can be a starter and I can do it successfully. Um, and then from the get-go, uh, when I talked to Skip and committed to OU and everything, uh, that was their full intention was for me to be a starter. And same thing when I got to the Royals was the full intention was for me to be a starter. And that's what I want to do. I want to go the, lo the longevity of six, seven innings, if possible, even nine if I can. I want to I wanna be in there and give my – team a chance to win as much possible as many innings I can go. So we have to talk about it. Um, I, I saw in the off season that you had hit a hundred miles per hour and I, I guess like winter workouts, I guess, prior to the season, uh, right. I saw there was a video posted. You seem pretty hyped up about it. So um, was that one of the first times that's ever happened for you? And did it honestly shock yourself that you did that? Uh, yeah, it was the first time. Uh, I don't think it was shocking to me. I think it was kind of unexpected for it to happen so quickly. But I, I know kind of how hard I've been pushing myself, especially post-injury and everything, to get um, my body right, taking nutrition a lot more seriously. Um, and then just everything I've done up at Pitching Works in Oklahoma City uh, to make my – mechanics as dynamic as possible uh getting down the mound efficiently as possible um so i don't think it was a surprise that it happened just how early it happened i want to jump in real quick so <clears throat> excuse me red Sox have not been known for developing starting pitching especially high-end starting pitching you're coming over to the organization with that reputation um that you can be someone to to be to be at the top of the rotation potentially for this team in the future. What have the Red Sox kind of talked to you about as you've kind of transitioned into the organization of their expectations of you right off the bat? Um, I mean, just the basic stuff so far. Um, only got one bullpen under my belt down here, but I mean, everything uh, I've talked to them about is just normal stuff. Just get in the zone, uh, when when early ahead, go. Uh, competitive nasty pitches in the zone and just just win against the hitter i mean just go out there and compete and um as long as you go out there and compete every pitch uh no matter who the hitter is no matter what the count is no matter what the run, uh, score is like that's really all that matters as a pitcher is just have that same mentality from pitch to pitch batter to batter it doesn't matter what did you know about andrew bailey before coming to the red sox organization uh, not really much. Uh, I, I kind of, when I was with the Royals and everything, just focused on pitching. Now with Boston, I'm just going to be focusing on pitching. Don't really pay attention to anything outside or anything like that. So you've never been a, uh, a look at the prospect rankings or any of that. You've never like really paid attention to any of that. Uh, no, I mean, sometimes I'll do it to just see where guys are and everything. Um, especially like buddies of mine to see how they're doing. Uh, I'll see them on a prospect list on Instagram or something. Uh, just, and I'll be like, okay, and go refresh their stats and everything, see how they're doing. But personally for myself or just to look at them, it don't really matter. Uh, you know, those stats don't fall or those rankings don't follow you out onto the field. And those guys are human too. They'll have bad games, they'll have good games. And so will guys that are not on those lists. So I played plenty of guys uh, last year that I believe probably should be on their organizational list that probably aren't on there. So I, I don't pay attention too much to that stuff. I feel like it's like a common theme with a lot of guys that we've talked to in AAA as well. I feel like a lot of them don't really care too much for it. But 
I, I did want to talk about, uh, so I obviously about your fastball that you hit a hundred, uh, you know, during the, uh, the off season, but I saw that you also threw a slider splitter and a curveball. uh, I think. So how did, uh, I guess what made you land on the, the arsenal that you currently have? And I guess, uh, when did you kind of develop, uh, I guess the, the secondary pitches? Uh, so I've always just been a four seam fastball guy. Uh, first pitch I learned how to throw and everything. Uh, curveball has probably been with me. That was the second pitch I think I learned, and that's been with me probably since sophomore year of high school. Um, splitter, um, I think my, my high school coach, uh, Jason Stump, picked up on. He was like, man, you got you got bigger hands. So, like, we I'd been struggling with the changeup I was trying to learn at the time. So, that senior year, we were playing around with grips and everything. He's like, I want you to try to throw this splitter and – the first one probably went 30 feet over the catcher's head. The first one I ever threw, just nowhere near anything. He's like, all right, just throw it full intent and everything. So finally, like, learn to start throwing. You got to throw a max intent. And when you try to take off, it's just terrible. So that's been with me since senior year. And then the slider, um, me and Justin Oni at Eastern just wanted to develop something a little bit harder than the curveball, but not quite like a cutter. So we landed just a traditional – slider and that's been there since probably freshman year of junior college when did you start seeing i guess your velocity start ticking up to where it is currently today obviously not not including like the the hundred you hit but i guess just uh when did you start to see that like growth was it during college was it like right after you got you turned professional um, I think it was a little bit of both because at junior college, I think I, I topped 88 or not 88, 98 that year. Um, that COVID, that COVID offseason, everything, the elongated offseason, um, really learned to fall in love with the weight room and learn mobility and everything like that to balance it out. So I think that's when the first initial velo jump hit because that was that summer was the first time I hit 95. And then Velo ticked up then. And it kind of backed off at OU, um, really just at OU um, focused on pitchability and everything and learned how to sequence guys and uh, work the strike zone. And then I tried to combine the two when I got with the Royals and everything that offseason, uh, worked on getting my strength back up and wor- worked on being athletic, but being in control while being athletic on the mound. So, so Jamie, Miggy, and Chris <laughs> – before I hop into a speed run, I want to see if you guys have some things, uh, anything drawn up right now. I got one more. What um, were some adjustments you had to make and differences you noticed between college ball and your first year in the minors? Um, I think the biggest adjustment I actually had to make was don't overvalue the hitters. Um, obviously, uh, you think – like, oh, you're in professional baseball now. Like, these guys are just going to demolish something. And, like, obviously they, they are better hitters and um, they, they will have better tools and everything. But as long as you execute your plan on the mound and execute pitch to pitch, like, they're still a human. Uh, they're still a hitter that you fail seven times out of ten. They're a Hall of Famer. So – it's just not overvaluing them to where you start nibbling on corners and that's when your walk uh, walk rate and everything goes up, just attacking them like any other guy is at the plate. Chris, now, Chris, you mentioned like 
what goals the Red Sox had set for you? What goals have you, you know, personally set for yourself going into this season? You know, joining a new organization, everything. Um, I mean, I think my biggest goal is just still just carry that attitude out every game. Just um, that kind of fu attitude. I'm gonna throw four pitch arsenal down your throat for six to seven innings, and you're not gonna do anything about it. Um, but I think just continue to work in all my stuff. Get the fastball, keep that metrically where it is, increase the off-speeds metrically um, to where the uh, Red Sox and I think they should be, and uh, just keep keep the uh, strikes up, uh, balls down, walk, walk rate down, strikeouts up, just simple stuff like that. Chris, did you uh... – I was going to say, I love the, with the mentality, like the, the way you just mentioned it with that, like the FU mentality. Like I think when people hear that, when we go into like the podcast, it's it, that's the type of stuff that Red Sox fans like to hear. What, um, when though, like when you get on the mound, like what do you do like pregame to kind of get yourself psyched for it? Is there any sort of certain ritual that you do? Um, like what's, what's like a typical game day look like for you? Uh, so the night before, actually, I usually watch just, one of the Star Wars movies. doesn't matter which one. I will watch a Star Wars movie. Uh, typically, it tends to be Revenge of the Sith more than any of the other ones. Um, but the day of, I mean, I'll just be in the locker room listening to music. And, I mean, just being in that atmosphere of playing a baseball game. And that's why I love being a pitcher so much. It's it's really – you got you got eight guys behind you, but it's you versus him when you release that ball. Um, so that one-on-one matchup really just gets me fired up to to beat someone one-on-one like that. Is, is it's a lot of fun to just stick it to them, say you're better than them, and they have to deal with it till the next time they come around the order. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Is it Revenge of the Sith? Oh yeah, absolutely. What's your least favorite out of everything that's been released? Uh, probably what it's. I think it's Episode Eight. I forget what the name of it is now. Um, the one after Force Awakens, I can't even remember. Uh, Last Jedi, no. yeah, yeah, that one's all right, not great. Why? Um, why is Star Wars the go-to movie in that situation? Uh, I don't know. I've always just been a really big Star Wars fan, um, and it's kind of something I started doing with one of my roommates at OU, Carson Atwood. We one week had a Star Wars marathon. And I think that was the week that I went and pitched down at Globe Life against Texas. And that was my first and only shutout that year and against that kind of team, that rival. I kind of just stuck with me since then. And being an avid Star Wars fan, like those, those movies kind of get me, I guess, fired up a little bit. That is two episodes in a row, by the way. We had, uh, I don't know if you've gotten to meet the, uh, the Aussie in the Red Sox camp, uh, Adam Bates. Um, you would know if you talk to him cause he's, his accent's pretty good, but he, uh, he watches, he said star Wars is his go-to revenge of the Sith is his movie that he watches before he pitches. And, uh, you'll meet him eventually. If you hear the Aussie accent in the, down in the locker room, you'll, you'll know it. He, he just got here from Australia. So perfect. Uh, I'll ask him if he wants to come over sometime and we can watch it together. It'd be good commentary, man, with the accent, man. It's it's so oh, yeah. so nice to listen to. Something interesting. But um, all right, guys, I got a speed run, and I'm gonna do. We're gonna do it a little differently here. So 
when I ask a question and like when we get the answer, like all three of you guys can just like if you guys just got stuff you want to add, just throw it in there. And it's not really gonna be a speed run, but whatever. Um, if you're up for it, David, I, I got like oh, yeah. 17 Let's questions. Do it. All right. Let's do it. They're non-baseball related for the most part. So um, <laughs> okay. it's, it's to get to know you like off the diamond a little bit. Cause that's what we like to do here at the show. Okay. Um, you might've already answered this first question, but I got to start it out. Cause it's good dialogue, but are you a movies shows or live TV guy? Movies. Absolutely. All right. So you may have also already answered this, but what is the best game, best baseball game you've ever played in? Like, what is the most memorable one that sticks out? Uh, yeah, the College World Series game against a It's fair. Uh, give me a song that's on repeat in your head. Uh, Inner Sandman by Metallica. If you had a walkout song in 24, would that be that? Every year. Every single year. Okay. You're a young guy, but so I'm going to, I'm going to modify this a little bit. Cause I usually have to, so you're only, you're ripe 23. Uh, so by the age of 28, you want to have accomplished what? Um, this obviously big league debut. And, uh, by that time 28, so that's five years away. I want to, I want to win a world series and win it with the Red Sox, obviously. I think that's that's a pretty good answer. Uh, it's probably as good as you can get. Um, you're you're new to my to professional baseball, um, but if there was one rule in the minors or in the MLB that you could change, which one would it be? Um, this would be for college too, actually. Um, the and they just changed it a little bit, but the base, uh, the lane to first base rule. Um, I think they either need to make it continue to make it a little bit bigger or if they want the guys to run on the outside of the foul line, put a safety bag at first. Okay. Um, what, what do you, I just have to ask quick, quick answer here if you want, but what do what are your thoughts on the, uh, the old pitch clock? Um, I'm fast tempo, so it doesn't bother me. Um, it's whatever. Okay. Um, a favorite athlete outside of baseball? Russell Westbrook. Sheesh. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's expected like a Kobe or something, not a not a Russell, but it comes with Russell the territory. Westbrook. Oklahoma. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Favorite TV show of all time. Man, that's uh probably suits. I'll go with suits. All right. He's like the the 10th guy I feel like we've had on that said that. I love suits. Great show. Are you, it's, it's are, a you a great Mike? show. are you a Mike or Harvey guy? You had to choose between the two. Mike. I'll, I'll roll with Mike. I've never seen it, so I don't know what. Never seen it. Oh, you both are missing out. It's a great show. It's one of the, you could probably get through it in a week if you just hump it down. I don't know about that. So. It's like nine seasons. I think like. 14 episodes of the season. I, I, well, I'm going to tell you. So, we interviewed Morgan McSweeney from the Orioles, and he mentioned that Suits was his show. And I had just finished watching it during the summer. And this was like around Thanksgiving, a little bit after. And I went back into watching the series again, and I got it done in a week. I work remotely too, so I can have it on all the time, but I got yeah. it within a week. Wow, that's impressive. 
Little yellow grass, Chris. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I'll open a window every once in a while, get fresh air. <laughs> I think I remember his quote. Morgan McSweeney said he should be put in jail for how much suits he watched in that one week, and I do remember that. So, um, okay. Next question here. What's the weirdest baseball superstition you've ever had? Hmm. Um, I don't really think I have any weird ones. I guess it would be the Star Wars. Everything else is, I think, pretty normal. I think there for a stint, I ate the same game day meal before every game, which was uh, – I actually got it for dinner tonight. Uh was a sunrise sunset smoothie and a um, Chipotle chicken club from um, Tropical Smoothie. Before every game, I would have that uh, last year for minor leagues. A little better option than we've heard on here. Uh, I feel like the nutritionist isn't going to hate you for that one. So, oh yeah, at least it's healthy, so they they didn't give me too much of a hard time for it. Yeah, we've heard a lot worse on the show that uh, probably could have got guys into some trouble. So, um, all right, this one's going to be a tough one. But going back to your Royals days and Oklahoma, and even before that, I need one player that sticks out to you that you've played with or against that's left you like, holy gal, that guy is the best I've ever seen in person. Mm. It's a tough one. You played with some good, played with some good yeah. dudes. Played, played a lot against a lot of good dudes too. Um, dude. On the mound, I would say, Probably Andrew Walling, who's with the Phillies now, is the most mind-blowing pitcher that I've seen in game. Um, and then I guess hitting and fielding, but mainly for the fielding aspect, Mac McCros- McCroskey with the Angels now um, from Oral Roberts and went to junior college with him. That dude um, is the definition of a gold glove infielder. He, he, there was no play he couldn't make. It was absurd. All right. Write that name down, Chris. I already did. It's good. It's a, it, it gets us like, you know, um, you know, once we hear these names, it's like, okay, we need to start paying attention to that name. That We need to get familiar with that name because oh, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. you guys are saying that they're probably one of the better you've seen. It's like they're probably pretty damn good. Um, playing, playing against would be obviously Ivan Melendez. What he did in 2022 was absurd. <laughs> I mean, that dude could match a baseball. Nobody's going to argue with that. Nope. Um, all right. What's a guilty pleasure of David Sandlin? I actually just talked with my roommate about this. Probably just how much homemade ice cream I'll go eat. Homemade ice cream is the best. And What flavor? It, I'll fluctuate. Um, there's Dulce de Leche is really good. Mint chocolate chips good. Um, butter pecan, just chocolate i mean I'll, I'll eat any flavor it's just the homemade aspect of it just kicks it up a notch did you see a few years back the mac and cheese ice cream that came out okay, okay not that no i can't swing with that but <laughs> How about the yeah that, that'd be a little a little excessive even for me <laughs> Wish I could eat ice cream, guys. I'm just like, I'm not built for it anymore. I don't know why, man. I turned into a weirdo. Um, we'll do it for right. you. Yeah. Let's 
Let's get on a food kick here. I got some food ones for you. Um, hopefully you've eaten. It's, it's already 7.30, so hopefully. Um, what's a go-to pregame snack? Uh, pregame snack? I'm actually a big fan of either a Rice Krispie Treat or um, Sweet Tart Ropes, the, the strawberry ones specifically. I usually will get a little bit of those for the simple sugars in them to just give me a little bit of go at the start of a game. All right, worst topping to put on a pizza, then give me your best topping. I can't deal with pineapple. The pineapple is just – it's that one's stressful to me. Um, the best one, man. Uh, the best is either pepperoni or I would say second to that is probably jalapenos. All right, this one's important, so – you you uh you're officially now well I guess you never went to OU when they were in the SEC obviously because it hasn't ha- it's about to happen but right I have a lot of faith in you just because you're you know you went to school in the southern state so um, I need your favorite fast food fried chicken chain okay the the thing with that is are we talking just the chicken or can you have the sauce with it. I'm nervous when you add that part in because I've had some some. If you have to add sauce, it's not good chicken. I like that. Well, the sauce just takes it over other chicken, the canes. The cane sauce just kicks it above. That's what I said. Come on, man. Uh, Other than that, okay, then I'd probably just stick with Chick-fil-A, just something simple. All right, man. This, the correct answer was Zaxby's. I had a lot of faith in you. Zaxby's um, is okay. Zaxby's three, and then probably Slim's is after that. How's that um, three? Because you got Chick Fil A, Canes. I'm still rocking with Canes, and then Zaxby's. All right, man. I'm not gonna argue with that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's that's that's incredible because it's like Zaxby's is only like. You were you've been in Oklahoma almost your whole life, so I I, I yeah. was expecting Zaxby's out of you because you can't get it up north. So, have you ever had um, crispy crunchy chicken? Crispy crunchy chicken? Yeah, I think they're in Oklahoma based. No, well, I know they've started to branch out towards Arkansas, so I didn't know if they had any there in Oklahoma. Or I know they have them in Oklahoma. I just didn't know if you'd have tried there. Uh, I might need to try it then. Is it better yeah. than Zaxby's? The one, the couple times I've had it, yes. Okay, it's better I'll than be Kane. I can tell you okay, that. I'll definitely be trying it then. <laughs> Just take a piece of glass and grind it in an Andrew's hand right now. All right, man. Um, you had Chicken Express. Is that made its way to Oklahoma from Texas? Yeah, I've only had it a hand, or not even a handful, probably a couple of times. Um. And it, it was good, um, but I just – I don't think I've had it enough to really barely judge it. Fair. Um, there's a Hunter Dobbins. He's a Texas Tech guy in the in the system, but he uh, he uh, he talks about uh, Chicken Express all, all day, every day. So Yeah, I've all met right. Hunter, so I'll have to bring that up to him tomorrow. Oh, man. <laughs> if you got, like, that sweet tea or something shipped in and just put it at his locker, you would – probably become his favorite person on the entire earth it would probably make his day all right 
Um, all right, enough about food. I got that's all my food ones. I did have one last question. Okay. And it's Oklahoma related. When did it when did it, I guess, officially become a thing for you that you hated the Longhorns? Easy. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of just living in Oklahoma, you kind of grow up around it. And then I kind of started to understand it when I uh, started to heavily become an OU fan. Like, I, I watched OU, rooted for them more often than Oklahoma State growing up. And then when Baker was there, that's what kind of ignited it in me. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I love this guy. And then I was like, this university is awesome. And then when I got there, um, just kind of seeing how Texas fans would interact with us and – Especially that series down there, I got on the mound. I, I I heard my name getting called several different things, and that's <laughs> when I was like, "All right, like I'm gonna get after these guys and screw over this fan base. Like this this is on them. If I do good, they fired me up." So I love it. I mean, I'm a Mizzou guy, so I mean, I don't really we get beat <laughs> by everybody, but we don't like Texas. I'll tell you that. So and we used to not like Oklahoma, but we don't play them anymore. But all right. Well, as long as you don't bump into Chase Shugard or uh, David Hamilton, I think you should be you should be fine. Um, they were the Texas corner in the Wu Sox locker room this past year, and uh, Shug will will let you know too. I'm sure he knows that you're you're floating around, so um, just be careful when you bump into him. Um, Sounds good. All right, guys, let's empty the bench here. Uh, David's <laughs> giving us like 40 minutes of time. All you guys, what what do you got left in the tank? When you're not on the baseball field, what are your favorite things to do um, just in your spare time? Uh, usually just either golf, um, playing video games, or just hanging out with either my girlfriend or some of my, my buddies just doing whatever we think is going to be fun that day, I guess, just hang, hanging out with people, being social. Are you prepared to buy the new NCAA football game this summer? Absolutely. It, yes. As soon as it is, it on pre-order yet? I don't think it is. But as soon as it, it is, as soon as it is, I'm pre-ordering it. Who's a who's an OU player that because we haven't had the game in a few years? Who's the one player that you think you've missed out on using the most in that game? It's Probably the biggest. Yeah, the biggest cheat code has to be like Kyler. That one. I feel like you could have just abused his speed in that game. I don't even want to think about that. It's got to be Kyler. I mean, Baker, though. Baker, yeah, would have been fun. Um, I think it would have been fun, though. Yeah, because you that year you would have had Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, C.D. Lamb. So Jeez, using that wow. team would have been absurd. Oh, All that talent yeah, in the national championship. Easy. We know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> um, my answer, I know he was in the game back when it was a thing, but I still would love to go back and you, I, I don't know why I was a big Sam Bradford guy. I don't know why. Like he's, yeah, I just, I, I liked Bradford a lot. And then I, I lived in the St. Louis area when he got drafted to the Rams, which whatever, if he was a bust, whatever, but um, it was still fun to watch him his rookie year. And then he kind of, tanked out after that but 
All right, guys. Any last questions before we uh, before we let him off here? Thanks for your time, yeah. man. We, we, I appreciate it. It was, it was it was fun. I like oh. the food questions and everything. That was that was a good little segment. No, it's good. Like it's it, it's something too. It's right. Like like Chris always likes to say it too. Is like we can we can look at your baseball reference page and we can just list off like you went three and one with a two point something ERA and be like, how'd that feel? It's like oh, like oh, I feel like there's a lot more to you than just like what the what the stat sheet says, and that's what we like to do here. So. Um, but we appreciated a ton coming on and uh, definitely looking forward to you uh, getting your feet wet there. And um, I get, yeah, wherever you uh, end up getting assigned, I'm not going to throw out any projections or anything, but wherever you end up getting assigned, uh, we'll be, we'll be rooting for you. So thank you, David. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me.